Gibbons and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Durant's really good on defense. Durant's a basket protector. So he's he's going to help him defensively. And, um, you know, Torrey Craig is a good defensive player. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to, you know, in a West, it's, it's uh, wide open. Um, uh, you know, I think that they've got to love their chance. It was Brian Windhorst on the Hoop Collective podcast saying that the Suns have to love their chances of winning in the Western Conference. As we welcome you back in, Burns and Gambo show on this Wednesday afternoon here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Um, the latest news when it comes to Kevin Durant is a really heavy dose of speculation that he's not going to make his Suns debut on Friday, that he might not even make his Suns debut on Sunday against Milwaukee. We got James Jones, not Josh, James Jones coming up in about a half hour, and I assure you we'll ask him then. I don't know if we're going to get a ton of clarity, but we'll try to. There's a lot of speculation Speculation now, including some from Windhorse, that we won't see Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform until next Wednesday against Charlotte as part of a road trip that they go on when they when they play Milwaukee. So they would miss that would be two games: Oklahoma City on Friday, mm-hmm. Milwaukee on the road so on Sunday. If it's Charlotte, then he misses two more games. Yes, yeah, yes. And, and and you know what? I I think I speak for you on this one. Fine. If that's what it's going to be, fine. Take your time. The whole goal is to have everybody healthy, productive, and ready to go at the end of the year. And no matter how many games you have to miss to get there, no matter how much injury load management you have to do to get there, you just got to get there. You want to not play KD? Fine. Don't play KD. Doesn't bother me at all. Not one bit. I know since he's been traded here, you've got a new medical staff that will look at him and evaluate him. And now they are on the side of caution as a lot of investment in Kevin Durant. So they will err on the side of caution. Again, 3.30, James Jones will join us. We'll talk to him and try to get his, uh, his, his idea of when KD will be able to play. It's interesting because the predictions as far as what's going to happen now from here on out, they're kind of all over the place. But on Yahoo, they had all their NBA writers get together and kind of predict how this thing was going to go down for the stretch run. There wasn't a ton of love for the Phoenix Suns. You know, not, there, there was a little, but there wasn't a ton of love, I would say, for the Phoenix Suns. Yeah. No, I was a little surprised at this you know jake fisher and the gang you know at uh yahoo they did they they did their western conference finals matchup and uh, dan devine had the nuggets versus the warriors and jake fisher had the nuggets versus the warriors vincent goodwell had the suns versus the warriors and ben Rohrbach had the nuggets versus the suns so that's three people that believe the warriors will be in the western conference finals man it's just so much love for the warriors isn't there of course and then it's three that have the nuggets and two have phoenix so there's only three teams that they chose but three of them have golden state three of them have denver and the suns are listed twice out of the eight possibilities it is amazing what kind of credibility success will buy you like Golden State has had, right? Oh, 100%. They, right now, they're the yeah. ninth seed in the Western Conference. They're yeah. 29 and 29. Their defense has been awful all year. I mean, not a, it feels like not a game goes by where Steve Kerr isn't calling them out for their lack of defensive intensity or Draymond Green isn't calling them out. But because they're Golden State and because they're the defending champs and because they have guys who have routinely been there and done mm-hmm. it over and over again, they and they've earned it. They so get the benefit of the doubt. But think about what you're saying for a second. You got these four NBA insiders. Three of them have chosen the ninth seed to go to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah. 
the ninth seed. Well, you know, I mean, listen, I mean, it was it was hard to pick against Tom Brady in a playoff game, right? <laughs> was for me. I lost right? a bet to you. Yeah. It's the well, whole reason why I picked Tampa Bay to beat Dallas. Just Tom Brady. Tom, just, Tom Brady in Dallas always fails in those moments. Yeah, it's yeah. hard. It's hard to pick against yeah, that and, pedigree. And, you know, and then there's, you know, the Rams. So a lot of people like still believed in the Rams when the seasons, they lost all that. They lost so many guys, but they still kind of believed in the Rams. Eventually, they fell apart. Now, the NBA Finals matchup, they all did their NBA Finals matchup. Listen to this. Dan Devine, Bucks versus the Warriors. Jake Fisher, Nuggets versus the Bucks. Vincent Goodwell, Bucks versus the Suns. Ben Rohrbach, Celtics versus the Nuggets. So only one of the four has the Suns in the NBA Finals. And one, so there's Warriors. Two Nuggets, one two Warriors. Nuggets, one Warriors, one Suns. Three Bucks, one Celtics, if you're looking at it from the East, which we don't care about really right now. But yeah, two Nuggets. One Warriors, one Suns, and and you know in a in a weird in a weird way, I mean, I, I guess good for the Nuggets. They've kind of earned this, right? I mean, they've they've got Nikola Jokic is going to win the MVP this year. At least he should. The only reason he wouldn't is voter fatigue from watching huh. him win it year after year, and yeah. the Denver Nuggets never do anything with it. Right? That's that's literally well, the no only Jamal thing that Murray. would keep him from doing it. I mean, other than that, he's gonna he's gonna win, and, and people will look at him and go, "Man, is he really worthy of having three straight MVPs?" What was it? Bird and Wilt are the only other two. I think who have won three, three straight MVP awards. And Russell, too, right? Is Russell one of them? Okay. I believe. Yeah, I, I think Bird was the last one to do it. And people might go, are we really going to put Nikola Jokic in that category? Does he deserve it? That's the only thing that'll keep him from getting that award. That's it. I just, you look at that roster and you're like, okay, Jokic is great. Jamal Murray's. You know, back to being really good. Aaron Gordon's a nice player. Michael Porter Jr. I've never been a fan of. Um, do you really like? Do you really believe that that team's got what it takes to like well, get through three rounds? Honestly, it's the opposite of Golden State. It's what not having pedigree will cost you. If you're Golden State, you have pedigree. What does it give you? The benefit of the doubt. People picking you to go to the finals. People picking you to go to the Western Conference finals, even though you're the ninth seed in the NBA. What does failing in the playoffs get you? If you're the Nuggets, it's more doubt. It's people looking at you going, yeah, but, yeah, but, right? Nobody should be yeah-butting Denver. They've been the best team in the West all year long. They've got the best player, one of them, in the NBA leading them. They were the Suns last year. Yeah. Where did the Suns go? They lost. Bowed out in the second round. Yeah, I know. I know. That was the, 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 the Nuggets are having this incredible year, right? The Suns were there last year. Not, well, they're the best team. Nobody can, right? They got it beat in the second round. They didn't even make it to the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, but it's, it's just the pedigree. And it's because we've seen the Nuggets fail in these moments. They're not going to get the benefit of the doubt. Not the way the teams like a, the Golden State Warriors are. You know what? It's fine. I, I, I'm not, I'm not, I, I get it. It's going to be, let me think about it. By the time they get Kevin Durant, let's say the reports are right, and Kevin Durant doesn't come back until next Wednesday against Charlotte. Okay. It's going to give him, what, 18 games? And that's assuming he plays every game from here on out during the regular season. Which he won't not. All right? So even if he misses three more, now you're talking about 15 games. It's all going to have a very rushed kind of feel to it. Now, I think they can rise above that. You made me think of something. Yeah? That it might take even into the playoffs... For them to really find their rhythm, which is why you may want to not catch a catch a, a really good experienced team early. 
Potentially. If you're the Suns. Because if Durant is not going to come back for the first game and then not going to come back for the second game, and then you talk about not playing all the games because the back-to-backs, you might not be in the rhythm you want to be in until you've got you know, you've got five or six, seven games in the playoffs under your belt. If that's the case, then listen, okay, let, let's take it from another angle. If you're any team, would you rather catch the Suns early or late? Oh, I'd rather catch the Suns early. You'd rather catch them early. Sure, while they're still figuring it out. While they're still- yeah, Durant was injured a month ago, and Book's been injured, and Paul's been injured, and they don't, you know, they haven't figured it out yet. The body yeah. doesn't know the. Re- I would rather catch the Suns early. Then let the Suns get on a little bit of a roll, win the first series, and because then they might be unstoppable. They may be that freight train that you just can't stop. Now, I still believe what I believe, and that is that Kevin Durant and Devin Booker are stars wired to figure it out very quickly. Chris is wired to figure it out very quickly. They're they're not they're not such egomaniacs where their own pride gets in their way that they won't be willing to sacrifice that in the name of progress. I I, I think they'll fit as quickly as you can figure something like that like that out. They will. But I also think Monty's got to be smart about this. And, and, and think about it. And I think Vince Murata made this point on Twitter a minute ago. It's not just Kevin Durant. You got to be smart with Booker's minutes. You got to be smart with Paul's minutes. You got to be smart with campaign's minutes. He's basically missed, what, three months? Yeah. By the time he gets back there on the floor, yes. you got to be careful with some of these guys during the regular season because you're going to need to protect them to a certain extent. They have oh. all missed a lot of time this year. You know what the 5 4 matchup is right now, right? Uh, it's I don't know off the top Suns of my head. Clippers. Oh man! Right now the five four matchup is Suns Clippers. See, and I don't think the Suns get to one, and I told you I don't think they get to two either. So to me, and then Sacramento's three. I think that I think that I don't think Sacramento. It's three games. Sacramento's got a three game lead, but their schedule's brutal. I don't know that Sacramento can hold on to three. I don't think they can. Somebody's going to pass them. Say the Clippers and the Suns both pass them, and so then say the Clippers are three, the Suns are four, and then Sacramento's five. Yeah, that's a great spot to be. Oh yeah. I mean, I mean, a first round series. Sorry, Sacramento Kings fan, if you're out there listening, a first round matchup against Sacramento Kings right. is just. It sounds so cushy and soft, right? Like I mean, just like your favorite couch to take a nap on on right. a Saturday afternoon, as opposed to the Clippers, which sounds like sleeping on a bed of nails. I mean, it's just like, oh yeah, give me the Kings every day. That now it's not a guarantee you're going to win, but I'd much rather have the Clippers. No, now in the if first you get round, to, if you rather. get to three instead of four, and then you play the six seed. Right now, the six seed is Dallas. So you'd have that Kyrie Luca matchup, oh. but it's plenty of time. Things will shift and change here. Yeah, no doubt. And and we'll see as more predictions come in what people think of the Suns. I think people aren't sure what to think until they actually see it. And it sounds like it could be a while until we see it. When we come back, could the Cardinals use their franchise tag? Today is the first day. They're allowed to use it on somebody. Is there anybody worth using it on? Also, do they need to shop for another quarterback? We'll tell you what we mean by that coming up right here on the Burns and Gambo Show. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Wednesday. Thanks for hanging out with us as always. As we're live from the Auction Community Studios, James Jones scheduled to join us about 15 minutes. Nick Rollis, the uh, new defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, introduced at a press conference today. Tomorrow, it's Drew Petzing. 
the offensive coordinator, so we'll get his vision and his idea. The big takeaway from today's press conference was that Nick Rollis will indeed be the defensive play caller. It will not be the new head coach, Jonathan Gannon. He will defer those duties yeah. to his 29-year-old defensive coordinator. See how the, I mean, I don't necessarily think it's a bad idea. I'm surprised, though. I really did think that Gannon would at least do that initially, given that he's a first-time head coach and he'd be probably more comfortable doing that, and maybe he would not be comfortable having a 29-year-old call the plays, but he's leaning into it all the way. You know what's interesting Hmm. about that? I remember several discussions as the year was going on about whether Cliff should give up the play calling Mm -hmm. and have somebody else call the plays. Like, maybe you're just, maybe, right, you get to that point. I mean, there's a lot of responsibilities for a head coach. A lot of responsibilities. And you want to make sure you're touching every aspect of your football team. And sometimes if you are the coordinator and you have so much emphasis on um, emphasis on the game plan each and every week, yeah. you know, you ignore some of those. But we got to the point during Cliff Kingsbury's final year here where we were consistently saying should Cliff give up the play? Matter of fact, Cliff even was asked about it and commented on it. Twice. Like, remember yeah. correctly. There, there, there was one time he acknowledged he had thought of it. I think it was after the first Seattle game in which Cliff said, hey, you know what? If that's what it takes, we'll think about it and we'll look into it and sure, I'd be willing to do it. And then he was asked about it, I think, three or four weeks after the Seattle game and then he shut it down real quick. He's like, yep, nope, nope, we're fine. We're good. That's not the problem. That's not the issue. I also think, and I, I remember, I think it was Sirianni, that one of the first things Sirianni did when he became the head coach of the Eagles was, I'm not calling the I'm place. not calling the offensive plays. I'm not calling the place. Nope. You do it. Mm-hmm. You you do it, Shane Steichen. I'm yep. not going to do it. I got to focus on doing the other stuff. And so Gannon likely saw that from him. Saw kind of got yeah. his cues from his former head coach on how to be a head coach. When it, it allows you like to that. be it allows you to be invested in both the offensive and the defensive game plans for each week. You know you spend you know you're not spending all of your time on one thing, but you're overseeing it. Yeah, you're going to oversee it, and you're going to have your input on it, and you're going to help devise it. You're the head coach, but. You know, ultimately, if you can, you know this, I mean, if you can push off responsibility on somebody you know and trust, it's going to free you up to do a lot of other things. Plus, one of those things that a coach needs to be freed up to do, and we've seen time and time again coaches screw this up routinely, game management clock management. You know, those situations. And I'm not saying that being a coach who calls your own plays on one side of the ball or not distracts you from that, but you have to be completely distraction-free if you're a head coach in the NFL and you're managing a clock at the end of a first half, at the end of a second half. That is some of the most important stuff a head coach will do. For yeah. any game, any could you screw and that if, up? That's the game, man. You and if you don't have to sit there and worry worry about, okay, did, they, did we get the first down on that or not? I really can't tell. And I'm just a Did we get it? It looks like we got the first down, but it's so close. They're not measuring it. And then you're trying to call a play based on that. It's a lot easier if you've got somebody else doing that. And then, you know what, if you don't like it, you call a timeout. If you think the wrong play got called, you can pay attention to everything else while somebody else is calling that play. All right, let's get into some of the stuff uh, in addition going on with the Cardinals other than the coaching additions and the hires and things like that. Today is the first day, or maybe it was yesterday, that franchise tags can be put on players in the NFL. Right. Um, And as you would expect, a lot of websites that cover the NFL have kind of put out lists of, hey, maybe this guy, hey, maybe that guy. Um, Sports Illustrated went through the lists of the franchise tag options for every NFL team. They listed Zach Allen 
as a potential franchise Ugh. tag guy. But then CBS Sports did the same thing. I'm very realistic. And said potential franchise tag player, none. none. No. No, and there isn't a potential franchise yeah, tag player for the Cardinals. He would go from a salary of $2.8 million to $19.3 million, Okay? Zach Allen didn't have 15 sacks. I like him. I'm not giving him $19.3 million, and neither should the Cardinals. You know, he had a good year, a career high, 35 pressures, uh, 8.5% pressure rate, five and a half sacks. Okay? You're not giving a guy $20 million for five and a half sacks. No. You re-sign him if you can. I think you try to re-sign him. But a franchise tag for Zach Allen is ridiculous. No. I mean, I was shocked when I looked at the ESPN franchise tag options, and they were like, Zach Allen. You know, no way. Yeah. There's no way you're tagging Zach Allen and paying him the top five, the average of the top five salary at that position. No way. I have to assume they were tasked with picking a player from every team. And that maybe picking, like, you know, sometimes we'll structure the Twitter poll question and we'll deliberately not put all of the above or none of the above in there because everyone's yeah. going to vote for that. I wonder if ESPN, like, made their writers, no, you have to pick a player. You can't say no. That's the explanation because, because there, isn't, there isn't anybody on this roster that deserves to be franchise tagged. Not even close. No. We'll get into it a little later on the show. I found the story on The Athletic today that went through the Cardinals roster, every roster in the NFL, position by position, and ranked how deficient you are position by position as an organization. Who the stuff that's, you know, about the Cardinals roster and where the holes are and where they need help. Man, it was it was a tough read. It was a, it was a really it was tough a really read. it was like, oh my gosh. So the, the, where they where they rank, how far behind they are, other teams, and it's hard to argue with it. Um so no, no franchise tag. Now, Lamar Jackson, maybe. Um I saw I saw where there was a report today. And it was, yeah, it was Darren Payne, the defensive tackle for the Commanders. There's an that, expectation he's going to get the franchise get tag. Yeah. Lamar Jackson could. Saquon Barkley could. I suppose Daniel Jones. Any of the quarterbacks, I suppose, potentially oh, could. Man, I mean, I heard, did you see what Daniel Jones wants? No. Like $45 million a year? <laughs> Dude, you're not that good. <laughs> did he switch agents, too? You're not... You're just not that good. Yeah, I think Daniel Jones switched agents too, so he's he wants someone who can tell him he's going to get that kind of money. Oh man, I might just yeah. tag him and then just kind of figure it out. But I just, I man. Speaking of quarterbacks, okay. On the newest episode of the Dave Pash podcast that I'm reading off of uh, EasyCardinals.com, Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell was the guest breaking down the team search for both a GM and a head coach. Wow, in okay. a 45 minute segment, uh, good get for Dave Pash, as we say in the industry. He also noted an unspecified injury that Colt McCoy is rehabbing. "Quote: Colt is coming back from an injury that is going to limit him in the off season. It's another set of dynamics that Drew Petzing and Jonathan Gannon have." to work through and Monty Austin Fort. We'll see what exactly the plan is. That's not for me to figure out. That's for those guys to figure out. Close quote. Wow. Okay. So they will be in the market for a quarterback. Yes, they will. They're going to have to be. Jacoby Brissett. Former Petsing quarterback who actually Jacoby, had some decent Jacoby games Brissett. last year. Right? I like him. I, I like him. Too. Now, I like him as a stopgap guy. For I don't like him as your full time starter, but I like Jacoby Brissett. Like if you want to, you know, wins you don't want to win some games and be competitive. Like he's a good quarterback. He's got a lot of experience. He's been a starter before. He's been a backup. Like you come in and say, hey, listen, and, and I said this at the end of the season. I like Colton McCoy. You don't get. You don't have to get rid of him. I like him as the backup. I like him as the backup if Kyler's the quarterback, and I like him as the backup if Kyler. Who's not the quarterback? If Kyle is not going to be ready for the first four, five, six games, I don't want Colt McCoy being the starting quarterback. I want him being the backup. 
I like you to come in if the guy gets hurt. I like you to come in for a game or two if the starter. But for four, five, six games, like I need somebody that's more talented. And that's where Jacoby Brissett or somebody like that would come in. Baker Mayfield. I assume there's a relationship from the Browns days. Mm. He's available. Oklahoma guy, too. Kyler would like that. Mm-hmm. I would say no. I think Baker still has aspirations of being a starter. Well, he's wrong. (laughs) He's wrong. (laughs) He can, but he's wrong. He's not anymore. He's not. But that name's been floated out there the last day or two. Not like anybody reporting it, just sort of... You know, wondering if there is a connection. The Brissett one makes a lot of sense, and I think one of the big reasons why Brissett understood exactly what his role was. He yeah. was there to play quarterback until Deshaun Watson was available. Right. And the minute Watson was available, Jacoby Brissett knew he wasn't the quarterback anymore. It'd be the exact same deal here. The exact same deal here. You know, there are going to be guys that go and start somewhere else. Like Carr's going to go and start somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And Garoppolo's going to go and start somewhere else. And, uh, you know, then there'll be the guys that'll be the backups. I think Baker's going to be a backup, but I wonder if he would accept that role. Text your thoughts. The FanDuel text line. It is open for you always during the Burns and Gambo always. show. It's 620-620. Always. It never closes. It's like a, it's like a 24-hour a day Circle K. Kevin Durant, is he ready to go? Is James Jones set with the roster he has? Our exclusive conversation with the president of Basketball Ops and GM of the Suns is coming up next on Arizona Sports. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. State of the Suns, driven by Sonic Drive-In. Mmm, Sonic. Burns and Gambo take you inside the Suns front office and talk with a key decision maker. Our weekly visit with the key decision maker for the Phoenix Suns. It's always a pleasure to welcome on President of Basketball Operations and General Manager James Jones. He joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line on this Wednesday. Good afternoon, James. How's this phone call find you today? Uh, I'm good, guys. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me. Did you have, uh, get to enjoy a little time off during this uh, All-Star break? No, yeah, it's, it's been good. You know, I've been in the building. Um, you know, most of our guys have been here. Uh, they left for a little bit, but we have guys coming back from injury. My injury, you know, Devin's still ramping up. So those guys have been in um, uh, since Sunday and just trying to get ready for this, this stretch of games, 20-plus games to to kind of bring the season to a close. So it's been good. Yeah, you've had a chance to, you know, when you get the time off, you have a chance to step back, reflect a little bit, look at your roster, evaluate it. Obviously, with the additions you made of KD and and, and Terrence Ross, how do you feel you are? Do you feel like this roster is set going forward? And then have you made a decision yet on Ish Wainwright? Um, No, I think the roster's good. Um, You know, we, we continue to look at how we can improve it. Um, but the, once we're healthy, you know, I feel that, that what we have is, uh, is, is pretty good. And so, um, as far as this, we, we haven't, uh, closed that loop. Um, but there's something, should, something should be done shortly. Okay. So that you, as just a matter of clarification, nothing needs to be done with ish until before the start of Friday's game. Is that how the timing works out on something like that, James? Right. In order for him to be game eligible and playing the game, yes. As far as staying with the team, um, he could be with the team. He just won't be available to play. Okay. Okay. So that's kind of the deadline that you're working against. But it, it, it sounds like at this point, barring something unexpected, that's where things are trending in the idea that he would be converted to a full-time kind of contract? 
Uh, that yeah, that, those are one of the considerations. I, I would say we haven't made a decision on that yet. Okay. James, right. uh, I got okay. yeah. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gamble Show. I apologize for that, Gamble and I were looking at each other. We were doing the two man game there, James, and we got a little confused. Not sure who's going to ask the next question. Um, let's talk about Kevin Durant and and the the expectation for his debut, the hope for his debut. Is there anything you can tell our audience right now in terms of when we'll see Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform? No, I can't. Um, you know, I, I can. I say I'm pretty. It's just one of those things where I think over the next, you know, like we have a practice tomorrow, uh, we'll get a better gauge of where he is tomorrow. Uh, but he, he's close. Uh, I just can't tell you exactly when he'll play, but I, I know he's close. The next game would be Friday against the Thunder. Have you ruled him out for that game? No, we have not. We haven't ruled him okay. out yet. We, we always talk about ramp up and trying to get guys ready. What? Tell us what that would detail. What would what would ramping up Kevin Durant detail? You know, five on five play. What kind of what What do you want to see in practice to say? Okay, he's ready to play. Um, well, we we put him through three on three, five on five. You just want to see him go through some sustained uh, movements. You know, put him out there twenty thirty minutes. See how he responds um, in the moment, but more importantly, the day after. Um, it's just like a, a regular game. You know, guys go into the game and they feel great, and then they get a chance to go home. You know, their their bodies kind of settle, and, and 12 hours later they're like, hey, I'm sore, or this doesn't feel right. You know, he's been progressing uh, over the last couple of days, but our team guys haven't been in market, so he's just been doing some twos and threes. So we hope tomorrow we'll get a chance to see him out there with the full group, and then we'll go from there, just knowing that every day uh, he's getting better. He's not having any setbacks, and so we expect him – to progress well over the next few days, and, and we'll see. Uh, but he'll, he'll be playing soon. So it sounds like, in some ways, the big day could be Friday in the sense that, okay, you, you went through the full practice, we put you through the full work. How do you feel? How, do you, how did you wake up and feel on Friday? Does that kind of become a big day when it comes to deciding what the, the, the immediate future is for Kevin? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, because I, like I said, I don't rule anything out. Um, it really, there's no exact. Um, process you go through. Right. It's just like uh, an adaptation and a response. So if he comes back and he's like, hey guys, I'm not ready to go, then you say, okay, Friday's not a go. But if he comes back and says, hey, I feel good, um, I want to test it a little bit, you know, you have conversations around you know, how you integrate them, how you use them. Um, so it, it's just a dialogue. But I, I'm telling everyone, he's, he's close uh, and I know he's itching to play. James Jones, our guest here on the Burns and Gambo show. Given you know the Devin's injury and Kevin's injury and campaign's injury and Chris's injury, how over these next twenty games, how cautious or responsible, maybe that's the word you want to use, will the organization be when it comes to their playing time and managing their minutes a little bit from here to the end of the season? Um, we'll, we'll be prudent. Like we, we have to balance it. Like the the reality is that we still are in the thick of the West where a couple games separate people from being in the play-in game and, and being a top seed. Um, we're not chasing to be the top seed, but we do have to win games, and we're chasing our best form of basketball. Um, you know, So the, the balance is you want to be healthy, but you also want to play good basketball. No one wants to go into the playoffs healthy, playing poorly. Uh, so you, you try to strike strike the balance. And I think with, with Chris and Devin and campaign and all those guys coming back, uh, with more firepower and, you know, Terrence Ross and TJ Warren, we have a bunch of guys that are willing and able to step up and, and shoulder a bigger load. Uh, so I think it allows us to, to, to be prudent. But um, make no mistake about it. Like, we need to win games. We want to win games. And, and we will win games. 
we just have to figure out the, the combinations of players. And look, we have a lot of talent. And so some guys are going to have to sacrifice. Some guys are going to take bigger roles and smaller roles. Uh, but I think we'll coach will figure it out. And, and I think the guys will figure out and adapt uh, over the next 20, 20 plus games. How do you feel about your backup point guard situation? You know, with Cam having missed so much time, he's only played in 28 games. He's been out for a while. Do you feel good about where you are at backup point guard with him coming back? Or do you just feel like I've, even if he's not 100% that you've got enough ball handlers on the roster to, or to, to back up Chris in that role? I feel good about it, right? And, and you know, when we talk about what this team needs with KD versus pre-KD, um, we have guys, you know, Devin and, and, and KD, who are automatic double teams. So, you know, you're typically looking for your point guard to try to create an advantage and pick and roll to get two defenders so that you can create momentum. I mean, well, we have guys now where, you know, like, every possession where Devin or, or KD doesn't touch the ball and they're both on the floor – if it's not in Chris's hands, it's probably going to be in their hands. Whoever's coming in is defending and just getting the ball to certain spots. So with multiple ball handlers, you can use Josh Okogie in that situation to just move the ball up the court. Um, you can play, you know, campaign who has proven that um, when he's playing with, with the right group, he's extremely effective. So I'm, I'm less concerned about, you know, like the backup point guard position as much as I am. How do we balance the usage of our high usage players? Yeah, and I think another thing. I mean, Monty was you know was was kind of upset with himself that he played twelve guys in the in the Clippers game uh, last week. I think you know he wants to pare that rotation down, but you know that's probably you know more so than KD coming back. One of the other things you've got to figure out is who is going to be the players in the playoff rotation. Is it Landale? Is it Biz? I mean, you've got a bunch of guys that are you know fighting right now for playoff minutes. Is is that something that's going to be determined over these next twenty something games? No, the competition is real for our guys and their their chances to play. Uh, they'll all be ready, um, but we know rotations get trimmed. Uh, but all of our guys will have to be ready. Um, it's you know that's the nature of playoff basketball. Someone's going to get hurt. Someone's going to be banged up. Every team goes through it, and it's just whether or not the guys in the back line can be ready. And and so I, I know Monty wants to try to keep everyone in rhythm, uh, but but we know it's tough to play twelve guys and the other. You know, guys who aren't in rotation, they just have to be ready um, to, to, to step up. And we've done it this year. With all of these injuries, I think a lot of our guys have been asked to take a step forward. And now we'll, we'll ask them to take a step back but still remain uh, on edge. One of those guys, and we're chatting here with James Jones, general manager of the Phoenix Suns. One of those guys who has taken that big step forward is Josh Okoge. As a former, you know, elite shooter yourself, his three-point stroke that we've seen basically since the calendar flipped to 2023. In your mind, is is that a sustainable form of offense for him? And if so, how much does that change the equation for a guy like Josh Okoge out there? I mean, well, it's sustainable as long as he continues to take those shots with confidence. Um, if, when he's hesitant, it doesn't doesn't work. And if teams are going to continue to give him wide open shots, I think he'll continue to make them. Um, you know, all of these guys in the NBA, if you if you attend practices, you'll see most of these guys are really good um, when they're when they're shooting. They're focused on shooting. They're not hesitant. They're confident. They make shots. It's just when they get in the games and you know they're they're wondering whether or not they miss a shot, they're going to come out. Well, Josh has put himself in a position where defensively he gives everything, and if he is making shots on the offensive end, it just fuels his game. So I'm, I've been extremely, um, you know, happy for the kid. Um, he's been everything you you ask for. Um, a guy that competes 
on extreme whenever he comes in the game. And so if he can continue to do that, I think he makes it very difficult for teams uh, to, to just concede those types of shots to him. I'm always careful not to uh, ask you questions that I, that I know you can answer, but I do know that this one is one that, I, that, that you can. So because he was bought out, um, I'm going to ask you, did you guys kick the tires on your former teammate, Kevin Love? Um, yeah, every guy that's been on the buyout market, we've, we've had conversations about. And was there a reason, uh, you know, that, that, that did you pursue Kevin or did you come to a point where you just felt like your roster was good the way it was and you didn't pursue it? No, I mean, it's, it's it, the situation with buyout players is they choose you. Um, they typically have great opportunities. If they have a better opportunity elsewhere, they choose it. So I think Miami is a better fit for him. And then it's a place I think where he'll go and he'll, he'll play meaningful minutes and, and have a defined role um, and where he can be extremely effective. Um, but yeah, I mean, every guy that's been on the, the buyout market, we've had conversations with. So, so fair to say, if he had chosen you and said, "Hey, I want to come play for you guys," that that this could have been a destination for him. Yeah, there's opportunity for all those guys. All right, James, we appreciate it. Uh, thanks for the conversation. As always, hope you uh, enjoyed the break. What uh, break you got? That is anyway. We appreciate the time. Good luck the rest of the season. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Thanks, Thanks, James. James Jones joining us on the Arizona Sports Line again. Next up for the Suns coming up on Friday against Oklahoma City with some questions as to whether Kevin Durant is going to be available for that game or even for Sunday's game against Milwaukee. When we come back on the Burns and Gambo Show, first let me tell you about big concert coming up on October 11th. It's Guns N' Roses. They're headed to Chase Field on October 11th. Now tickets go on sale Friday at 10 a.m. You can win a pair right now by texting the word ROSES to 626. 620. That's Roses to 620. 620. Welcome to the jungle, Guns N' Roses fans. Roster stability, very important in the NFL. How stable is the Cardinals roster compared to the other 31 teams? We'll tell you next, but it probably won't surprise you on Burns and Gambo. Burns and Gambo. Afternoons on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. So it's a real deep dive story The Athletic did today uh, And it took some time to kind of soak it all in But it was really good um, And it painted a very it, it, Not surprisingly But it painted a pretty bleak picture About the state of the Arizona Cardinals roster right now Which <laughs> yeah, is I mean, kind of like what we come to expect Right? So the headline of the story was NFL off-season roster upgrade priorities, which is a really, it's a, it's a word full. And it's ranking every team's needs and their positions in the highest demand. So take the Arizona Cardinals, for example. If I were to say to you, if you're a Cardinals fan listening to us right now, off the top of your head, what position is the one in the greatest need for the Arizona Cardinals? Really, what room do defensive you have to Defensive line. Can I just say defensive line? Would be the one line? that you would say? Okay. Yeah. 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 Defensive line. Um, I would say either edge or corner are the are the two positions where I put edge in defensive line. Yeah, that's fine. That's fair. Okay, that's fair. Are the two positions where you go? They are just operating in a total deficit in that spot, and yeah. they need some help in that. So the athletic, and this is a big undertaking. They did this for every single team in the NFL, just basically trying to um, assess a team's need to upgrade a particular position group and how that need at that position compares to other teams around the league. Go through this position by position. The Arizona Cardinals quarterback's room was ranked 25th in the National Football League. 
in terms of, again, it's not a power ranking, just in terms of what do you need compared to, you know, how's they your room? They ranked the Cardinals quarterback room 25th? Yes. But Jonathan Gannon came here because of how elite the quarterback was. I've heard. How elite your quarterback if they're ranked 25th? Well, as they point out, and Doug Haller, um, who's a colleague of ours, a friend of ours, he did the write-up for all of these. And as he points out, you know, there's questions about Kyler. When is he going to play? Now there's questions about Colton when he's going to play. Like, I agree with all of that. I'm just saying to oh, my point, I, know, I don't I know, like... I know. Like, Kyler Murray is not an elite quarterback right now in the NFL. The Cardinals are trying to... Trying to make him believe that he is, you know. I would. Have, I've said this three times now. I, I would have taken the approach of you know breaking Kyler down, not calling him elite or special, and then trying to build him back up instead of going with the the, the philosophy that you're so great and we're just like. But they're twenty fifth in the quarterback room. Sounds about right right now. Running backs nineteenth compared to the rest of the league in terms of how much of a roster you know where they rank compared to kind of themselves and then how important the need is compared to. Every Everybody else in the NFL. Here's the whopper, and it really just it just kicks you right between the eyes because of all the resources they've spent on this position. Wide receiver, thirtieth, thirtieth. And what was the reasoning for that? Because if you have Hopkins and Hollywood Brown on the roster, you shouldn't be thirtieth. I think it's just the assumption that you're not going to have Hopkins. Right. And Doug writes, the room could entirely change. The Andre Hopkins, yeah, you just he, you don't know if he's going to be there. AJ Green has announced his retirement. Marquise Brown is a number one. He's better suited as a number two. Rondell Moore is always hurt. Greg Dorch was capable. Robbie Anderson, who by the way, did Robbie Anderson change his name? Yes, the, the chosen, chosen one. No, just chosen. Chosen. Just chosen, right? Chosen. Yeah. That's, he legally changed his name to Chosen Anderson. Chosen. Okay. If you could change your name, what would you change it to? Larry! <laughs> Larry! I should have seen that one. I Larry, look, Larry! I should have seen that one coming a mile away. Uh, I should have seen that one coming a mile away. Uh, tight ends, 23rd. Offensive line, 17th. Which kind of surprised me, given how four of them are free agents and they kind of need to rebuild the offensive line. You know, I'm a little surprised that they were middle of the pack in the NFL. I would have thought that would have been somewhere in the in the in the high 20s or even in the 30s, given that DJ Humphreys is the only one who's actually under contract I next know, year. I know, at least among I, the starters. I, you know, those the number one for me when you talked about. It, you know, what do you got to rebuild? To me, it's a defensive line. And the second is the offensive line. You just have to get be bigger, meaner, nastier. You got to be able to run the ball. You got to you're going to put Kyler Murray under center. You better protect him. So there's got to be a strong emphasis on building that offensive line. They basically kind of patchworked it these last few years. Yeah, uh, which is why I agree with you. Defensive line is a lot uh, more middle of the road than I thought. 17th. In the NFL. That's that's interesting. So that's about the only one that they've got that's like middle of the pack, right? What was their highest rated position? The, their best? What was the best rated position? Oh, you should get this. This is easy. Tight end? Nope. Come on. Safety. Safety. Yeah, safety. 13th. Safety. Yeah, 13th. Uh, Arizona's in good shape here, Doug writes. <laughs> the heart of the defense, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson has established himself. Chris Banjo and Charles Washington are unrestricted free agents. Almost as bad as wide receiver. Corner. 
29th in the NFL. Oh my goodness, 29th. And your and your big wide receiver, your big cornerback is a free agent. And your big cornerback is a free agent. Do you want to keep him or not? And Antonio Hamilton, he started. He had okay moments. He's an unrestricted free agent. I mean, right now, Marco Wilson. This is a room that I, I have a feeling that if the Cardinals are gonna. Well, you know what? I say that and I don't know for sure now that I think about it. Like, it, it feels like if there's a room the Cardinals are going to spend some money on, that they're going to spend it on the cornerbacks. Because they just, they're, they're so, yeah, they're so thin there. They, and, they, you know, Bradbury's a free agent from Washington. We talked about a couple of Philly free agents. So, could be a way you go. I, I would think so. Look, they, they, they did try to address it last year. And, uh, you know, the unfortunate death of Gladney. Like, but they did try to go out and get themselves a corner to help the situation. But, you know, obviously the, un- the unfortunate death kind of put them in a hole. And then I think that for a time they thought Robert Alford was going to come back. But then he just didn't want to play. It was like, because I think that they always felt like we have an offer out there for him to come back. And it didn't happen. But still, even even if he would have came back, you're in the same position. It's it was a, That's a patchwork. That's patchwork. Like, they were a lot of, they were just patching holes a lot of times yeah. you need to go get some you know some corner like i like murph i hope he stays i think they'll keep him but you need to go get some corners they'll be around for a little while i totally agree when we come back new defensive coordinator nick rollis met the media today from the arizona cardinals what stood out from his intro presser we'll get into that coming up right here on the burns and gambo show